Chapter the Forty Eighth of Poor Miss Finch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Poor Miss Finch by Wilkie Collins. Chapter the Forty Eighth. On the way to the end, second stage. Early riser as I was, I found that Oscar had risen earlier still. He had left the rectory and had disturbed Mr. Guthridge's morning slumbers by an application at the inn for the key of Browndown. On his return to the rectory, he merely said that he had been to see after various things belonging to him which were still left in the empty house. His look and manner, as he gave us this brief explanation, were, to my mind, more unsatisfactory than ever. I made no remark, and observing that his loose travelling coat was buttoned awry over the breast, I set it right for him. My hand, as I did this, touched his breast-pocket. He started back directly, as if there was something in the pocket which he did not wish me to feel. Was it something he had brought from Browndown? We got away, encumbered by Mr. Finch, who insisted on attaching himself to Oscar, by the first express train which took us straight to London. Comparison of timetables on reaching the terminus showed that I had leisure to spare for a brief visit to Grosser before we again took the railway back to Sydenham. Having decided not to mention the bad news of Lucilla's sight to Oscar until I had seen the German first, I made the best excuse that suggested itself, and drove away, leaving the two gentlemen in the waiting-room of the station. I found Grosser confined to his easy-chair, with his gouty foot enveloped in cool cabbage-leaves. Between pain and anxiety, his eyes were wilder, his broken English was more grotesque than ever. When I appeared at the door of his room, and said good morning, in the frenzy of his impatience he shook his fist at me. "'Good morning! God damn!' he roared out. "'There! There! There is Finch!' I told him where we believed Lucilla to be. Grosser turned his head and shook his fist at a bottle on the chimney-piece next. "'Get that bottle on the chimney,' he said, and I passed by the side of him. "'Don't stop with your talky-talky chatterations here. Go. Save her eyes. Look, you do this.' "'You throw her head back like so?' He illustrated the position so forcibly with his own head that he shook his gouty foot and screamed with the pain of it. He went on, nevertheless, glaring frightfully through his spectacles, gnashing his moustache fiercely through his teeth. "'Throw her head back! Fill the eye-bath! Turn him upside down over her open eyes! Drown them! Drown them about in my mixtures!' Drown them, drown them, I say, run down, totter, come on, and if she screeched, never mind it, then bring her to me, for the love of God, bring her to me, if you tie her hands and foot, bring her to me, what is the woman stopping for, go, 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 I want to ask you a question about Oscar, I said, before I go, he seized the pillow which supported his head, evidently intending to expedite my departure by throwing it at me. I produced the railway timetable as the best defensive weapon at my command. 
"'Look at it for yourself,' I said, "'and you will see that I must wait at the station if I don't wait here.' With some difficulty I satisfied him that it was impossible to leave London for Sydenham before a certain hour, and that I had at least ten minutes to spare, which might be just as well passed in consulting him. He closed his glaring eyes and laid his head back on the chair, thoroughly exhausted with his own outbreak of excitement. "'No matter how things goes,' he said, "'a woman must wag her tongue good. Wag yours.' "'I am placed in a very difficult position.' i began oscar is going with me to lucilla i shall of course take care in the first place that he and nugent do not meet unless i am present at the interview but i am not equally sure of what i ought to do in the case of lucilla must i keep them apart until i have first prepared her to see oscar let her see the devil himself if you like growled grosser so long as you bring her here afterwards directly to me you will do the bettermost thing if you prepare oscar she wants no preparations she is enough disappointed in him as it is disappointed in him i repeated i don't understand you he settled himself wearily in his chair and referred in a softened and saddened tone to that private conversation of his with lucilla at ramsgate which has already been reported in the journal. I was now informed for the first time of those changes in her sensations and in her ways of thinking which had so keenly vexed and mortified her. I heard of the ominous absence of the old thrill of pleasure when Nugent took her hand on meeting her at the seaside. I heard how bitterly his personal appearance had disappointed her when she had seen his features in detail by comparison with the charming ideal picture which she had formed of her lover in the days of her blindness those happier days as she had called them when she was poor miss finch surely i said all the old feelings will come back to her when she sees oscar they will never come back to her no not if she sees fifty oscars he was beginning to frighten me, or to irritate me. I can hardly say which. I only know that I persisted in disputing with him. "'When she sees the true man,' I went on, "'do you mean to say she will feel the same disappointment?' I could get no farther than that. He cut me short there, without ceremony. "'You foolish woman's,' he interposed. She will feel more than the same. I have told you already it was one enormous disappointment to her when she saw the handsome brother with the fair complexions. Ask your own self what it will be when she sees the ugly brother with the blue face. I tell you this. She will think your true man the worst impostor of the two. There I indignantly contradicted him. "'His face may be a disappointment to her,' I said. "'I own that. But there it will end. "'Her hand will tell her when she takes it "'that there is no impostor deceiving her this time. "'Her hand will tell her nothing, no more than yours. 
I had not so much hard hearts in me as to say that to her when she asked me. I say to you, hold your tongue and listen. All those thrill tingles that she once had when he touched her belong to another time, the time gone by when her sight was in her fingers and not in her eyes. With those fine super feelings of the days when she was blind, she pays now for her grand new privilege of opening her eyes on the world and worth the price too do you understand yet it is a sort of swap bargain between nature and this poor girls of ours i take away your eyes i give you your fine touch i give you your eyes i take away your fine touch so that is plain you see now I was too mortified and too miserable to answer him. Through all our later troubles, I had looked forward so confidently to Oscar's reappearance as the one sufficient condition on which Lucilla's happiness would be certainly restored. What had become of my anticipations now? I sat silent, staring in stupid depression at the pattern of the carpet. Grosser took out his watch. "'Your ten minutes' time has counted himself out,' he said. I neither moved nor heeded him. His ferocious eyes began to flame again behind his monstrous spectacles. "'Go! Be off with you!' he shouted at me, as if I was deaf. "'Her eyes! Her eyes! While you stop chatterboxing here, her eyes are in danger. What with her frettings and her cryings and her damned nonsense love business i swear you my solemn oath her sight was in danger when i saw her a whole fortnight gone by do you want my big pillow to fly bang at your head you don't want him be off away with you then or you will have him in one two three time be off away and bring her back to me before night i returned to the railway station of all the women whom I passed in the crowded streets, I doubt if one had a heavier heart in her bosom that morning than mine. To make matters worse still, my travelling companions, one in the refreshment room and one pacing the platform, received my account of my interview with Grosser in a manner which seriously disappointed and discouraged me. Mr. Finch's inhuman conceit treated my melancholy news of his daughter as a species of complimentary tribute to his own foresight you remember madame pratolungo i took high ground in this matter from the first i protested against the proceedings of the man grosser as involving a purely worldly interference with the ways of an inscrutable providence with what effect my paternal influence was repudiated my moral weight was so to speak set aside and now you see the result take it to heart dear friend may it be a warning to you he sighed with ponderous complacency and turned from me to the girl behind the counter i will take another cup of tea 
oscar's reception of me when i found him on the platform and told him next of lucilla's critical state was more than discouraging it is no exaggeration to say that he alarmed me another item in the debt i owe to nugent he said not a word of sympathy not a word of sorrow that vindictive answer and nothing more we started for sydenham from time to time i looked at oscar sitting opposite to me to see if any change appeared in him as we drew nearer and nearer to the place in which lucilla was now living nope still the same ominous silence the same unnatural self-repression possessed him except the momentary outbreak when mr finch placed nugent's letter in his hand on the previous evening not the faintest token of what was really going on in his mind had escaped him since we had left marseilles he who could weep over all his other griefs as easily as spontaneously as a woman had not shed a tear since the fatal day when he had discovered that his brother had played him false that brother who had been the god of his idolatry the sacred object of his gratitude and his love when a man of oscar's temperament becomes frozen up for days together in his own thoughts when he keeps his own counsel when he asks for no sympathy and utters no complaint the sign is a serious one there are hidden forces gathering him which will burst their way to the surface for good or for evil with an irresistible result watching oscar attentively behind my veil i felt the certain assurance that the part he would take in the terrible conflict of interests now awaiting us would be a part which i should remember to the latest day of my life we reached sydenham and went to the nearest hotel with other travellers in the carriage it had been impossible to consult on the safest method of approaching lucilla in the first instance that serious question now pressed for instant decision we sat down to discuss it in the room which we had hired at the hotel End of chapter the forty eighth